Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. And I'm excited to bring to you today's guest, Rebecca Weaver. She's founder and CEO of HR Uprise. We're going to talk about how the workplace has changed after COVID and talk about post-traumatic growth, resiliency, the workplace, company culture. It can be a fascinating discussion. And I'm happy to welcome Rebecca to the show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we had uh, connected through um, Podmatch, and you actually dubbed yourself as the anti-HR HR professional, <laughs> which I'm gonna ask you about later. Um, so, you know, I know you have a story to share, so uh, share it, and we'll get started. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, uh, where to get started? I have uh, worked in HR for about twenty. 3 years now and I I consider it to be this profession that I've kind of loved to hate to be honest. It is um I've always loved it when people would say to me, "Oh, you don't really seem like HR." Um <laughs> and you know, part of the reason as I think back about it, part of the reason for that is that HR doesn't have a great reputation. Um it hasn't for a long time. You know, when I look at it, when I've really interrogated why that is the case, I mean, the the sad reality is there's good reason for that in a lot of cases. And so I've always wanted to be the kind of anti-HR HR person. Um, I sort of fell into the profession itself, um, but then ultimately ended up creating a company. I never even intended to create the company. I started it as an Instagram account in the wake of Me Too. I'm looking around at all these conversations that are happening, um, people speaking up for the first time. And the phrase I keep hearing over and over again was about how people felt burned by HR. And, you know, I'm looking at these HR um, circles that I'm in, these professional circles, and I thought, why are we not talking about this? Why don't we have more conversation about it? Um, so I launched HR Uprise as an Instagram account. I thought I kept, well, interestingly, I was actually the head of HR for an advertising agency at the time. Um, and so some of the creatives came together with me and I said, look, I have a lot to say. What's a good place to do this? How do I do it? And so they came up with the logo. They helped me come up with Instagram as the place to get started. Um, and that's really where it began. So I, I never intended to start a company, um, on this, but the Instagram account exploded and it was really interesting because I was posting these things that were, um, you know, very critical of HR. And 
people really started responding to that. Um, so that that's really the origin of my company and where we all got, where we got started. Hmm. Interesting. So I have a well, I have a question. Is HR the problem or is it the court? Like I always thought that um, it was the the C suite and the uh, administrators in all the bureaucracy. But uh, you know, it's interesting that people point the finger to HR. Um, yeah, they. It's a fantastic question. Uh, I mean, the short answer to your question is it's it's all of the above. Part of the problem with HR, and part of the reason that HR gets really blamed, is kind of a little bit of shooting the messenger. Um, HR is the face of the organization, but here here's my. So now we're up on my soapbox. Here's my soapbox about the problem. The problem is you ask most people, what is HR's role within an organization? And they would say, oh, it's the company culture. You know, we're here to build this to be a great place to work. And that is all very true and very well-intentioned. The challenge is if there's ever a conflict between what is best for the company and what is best for the organization, the organization wins out every time. And it is HR's primary function above everything else to protect the organization. And so it's that conflict that really comes into play. And again, where I hear that phrase so often from people, I was burned by HR, it's because they came to HR looking for that advocate, that you know, company culture expert, and what they get is a representative of the organization. Yeah, interesting. I've, it's uh I'm just curious. Um, and then you had um so especially with COVID and uh with remote work and silent quitting outright quitting how has the workplace changed in the past few years and what do companies need to know to build the company culture now so much so we've all come through this so i am not a medical expert and especially for your audience i will be very very clear to say that but i think that it is i think it's fair to say that we have collectively been through an incredibly traumatic experience um yeah over the last couple of years through this pandemic and it it really even started before that. So you think about uh, the changes that started to occur with Me Too. Um, and then we went through this pandemic. We went through this um, global reckoning um, when it comes to racial issues within the workplace. I mean, all of these things have changed overnight. Entire industries um, dissolved completely. Overnight, we had people moving to a completely remote workplace. It's just everything has changed so dramatically. And so for me, um, I learned about this concept of post-traumatic growth in my own experience. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the beginning of the pandemic. And my husband, who is a physician, is an emergency physician, um, happens to work at the hospital where they treated the first COVID patient here in the US. So it hit us here very, very early. And as I went through chemotherapy, we had our two very young daughters home uh, because, of course, the schools were shutting down at that time. I went through chemo and my husband had to move out because he continued to serve um, and continued to do his job. But he was seeing patients every day, of course, um, with this virus that we knew very little about at that point in time. So that whole experience um, for me, obviously, um, was incredibly personal and um, in the midst of all of that, I was introduced to this concept of post-traumatic growth. But the idea being that it is even through traumatic experiences, many, many people have the opportunity and actually are able to emerge from that experience having grown 
Um, and so, you know, I really dug into it. And again, being the corporate workplace culture nerd that I am, um, am now working on a book exploring um, that concept of post-traumatic growth and how do we apply that to the workplace? You know, how can we um, use this concept? There are five pillars to it. How do we use renewed appreciation of life, uh, relationships with others, you know, all these different ways in which we can grow from a traumatic experience um, and implement that to really see uh, become the leaders that we need to be for now and into the future. Hmm. I think, uh, you know, the word that comes to mind when you're describing this is resilient, emotional, especially emotional, you know, you know, for the audience, financial as well. And uh, so what are companies getting wrong about the workplace now? This is fascinating. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can see the headlines even still of all of these organizations that are forcing a return to work. Um, we're seeing it over and over again. So I'd say that's number one thing that companies are getting wrong. I think when you, if we really have to boil it down, it's really about organization feeling like we are going back to what it used to be. And my argument is that doesn't exist anymore. That reality is no longer um, possible. It, it's just, it does not exist anymore. And I think the smart companies uh, today are really thinking about how are we able to hold on to some of the benefits of the workplace? Because there were some over the the changes over the past couple of years. And how do we then um, ensure that we're holding on to those and adapting for the future? So it's really about adapting. Yeah, I love that. I'm just I'm just curious. Uh, there's two scenarios in my mind. One is or actually three scenarios. One is where you have really great companies, you know, Apple's, these high value companies, and they incorporate what you're talking about. And then I see kind of in the middle where this uh, people talking, but it's like politics and, you know, nothing gets done. It's just, you know, talking. And then another one is where majority of people, they won't go to a job they'll create their own jobs and they'll start their own companies and they'll have their own income streams. So I'm just curious how you see it playing out. Apologies for that. Uh, that's the lingering effects of chemo. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you, Cancer. Absolutely. Um, people are, so we talk about this great resignation. Honestly, what I see it as is as great reevaluation, right? We have had the opportunity and through, through this largely traumatic experience, we saw millions of people die in a couple of years. And people are reevaluating, you know, how they spend their time. And for me personally, you know, having been through um, cancer treatment um, at a very young age, relatively speaking, you know, for me, the way that I look at it is it's this aggressive daily reminder. Truly, tomorrow is not promised. And <clears throat> excuse me, I was fine. I felt fine until they tried to cure me. It's this very aggressive reminder that tomorrow is not promised. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I look at it is, okay, so now what? How is your work going to have meaning? How are you spending your time? Um, does it reflect the values that you have? It's just, and I think everyone has gone through some degree of that question. Um, and so that has led to massive numbers of people who are 
starting businesses, definitely leaving uh, jobs uh, that they did not feel fulfilled in, that they did not feel respected um, in any number of ways. And people are really reevaluating. That was, I think, one of, I don't know if benefit is the right word, but certainly um, one of the silver linings coming out of, you know, such a highly traumatic event is a pandemic. We have the opportunity to really reevaluate what we're doing. And so I think that's really what we're seeing now um, is people asking themselves that question and it's that, okay, so now what? Yeah, I love that. You know, what you, uh, you know, you describe so beautifully these uh, ideas of re, and I love this basic concept of reevaluating. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, it's like before is like you just had a job and, you know, you went to a job and then now they had like remote work. And then this kind of, you see this people creating and living based on their values and, you know, what they want, you know, this very fascinating um, concept. And how does uh, HR Uprise uh, fit into all this? I know it's a advocacy organizations tell the audience about that and uh, and how people can contact you and find you, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. Really, you know, in this great reevaluation and, you know, with the very beginning of this organization as an Instagram account, really been thinking about how can we better support employees in the workplace? Um, And so HR Uprise is an organization. We do that in a number of ways. Um, We are especially um, interested in helping small organizations. You would see the vast majority. I think the last statistic I saw was 90% of employees in the United States actually work for a small business. It is such an underserved market when it comes to having the right support, when it comes to, you know, again, not just viewing compliance. Of course, that's the stuff that will get you into legal trouble. And that is stuff you need to pay attention to. Um, But too many organizations really view that as their obligation. And once that's satisfied, we're done, we move on. Um, and really at HR Uprise, we're really all about we can we can truly build our culture around the employee, make it um, that growth organization. Um, and it does not have to, you does not require the resources of a huge enterprise organization. Um, so we've built, we offer fractional HR. Um, we also offer programs for ultra small organizations. So maybe one or two employees um, that help support them as well. Um, so those are um, probably the best ways that we can help support. And especially if people are interested in finding out more, they can go to our website, which is HR. And that's probably the best place to find information. That's where you can reach out. Um, you can connect with me there or on LinkedIn as well. And then we are still on Instagram where it all started. Um, so you can find us at HR Uprise there as well. Mm, I love that. And uh, for the audience out there, let's thank Rebecca for this very inspiring story, um, emerging stronger, talking about company culture, values, future of the workplace, um, and overall emotional health, well-being. All of Rebecca's resources will be in the links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you. It was great conversation. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week